Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to all my listeners around the world. Thank you for downloading the podcast, spreading the word and leaving ratings and reviews. Whether you've been with me from the start or if you just recently started listening to the podcast, I really appreciate your support. But I want to get in contact with you. I want to connect with you. I want to understand who my listeners are. Where are you listening from? Why are you listening to the podcast? And also a bit about yourself. I'd love to do an episode where I dedicate some comments, some stories, some bios from my listeners throughout the world. Please get in contact with me. You can get in contact by emailing me at jameshammondtravel at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on socials, so Instagram, Facebook, I'll put in my main two. Uh, James Hammond Travel on Instagram or Winging It Travel Podcast, you can search for that as well. You can search for that on Facebook too. Send a message. I'm going to create a little hashtag here. It's hashtag WITP, which obviously stands for Winging It Travel Podcast. Pop that in your message so I know this is relating to what I'm saying now. And I'll collect them, read them, respond back, and I'll create a podcast episode probably in February to March. And we'll do this sort of connecting togetherness of a podcast episode for Winging It Travel. And I'd love to hear what people's travel journeys are like. You know, are they just starting out? Are you got a few plans in the pipeline? Have you been traveling for years? Have you got loads of stories? Like, tell me as much as you can or as little as you want and I'll get that set up. Finally, watch out for probably the first episode of February. Got a little announcement coming out um, about some potentially decent ideas for the podcast in the future. Watch that space and I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast episode 48, my experience in the Yukon. As polled on Instagram a few weeks ago, I asked if people wanted me to record a podcast episode about the week I had in Yukon over Christmas and the consensus was 100% yes. So here we are about to talk about the amazing experience I had over Christmas. Firstly, we flew into Whitehorse. Now, where is Whitehorse? Whitehorse in Yukon is if you look at Vancouver on the map to the west, it is directly north. It's about a two-hour flight up north. And Yukon is vast. It's basically like Alaska, but just in Canada. And it's a vast, vast area of ice fields and glaciers and mountains. And there's a very few small amount of towns pocketed around the region. And Whitehorse is the biggest of them all. Uh, has a population of around 25 to 26,000. And that is your fly-in in terms of where to go in Newcom. Now, Whitehorse is a bit of a hub and um, you can get various things in Whitehorse if you want to go out to other remote areas, but that is your base. Now, we booked flights with Air North well in advance. I'm talking about possibly August, I think, we booked our flights. 
and they were in Canadian dollars about $220 return. I think if you booked that far in advance, maybe $250 return is probably what you're going to pay. I think we've got a bit lucky with that, which is an unbelievable price. It's about $110, $120 each way. And you get two sets of luggage with your purchase, which is unbelievable considering how short the flight is. With the flight, you also get um, a, a little like lunch type meal and also some coffee, tea, and obviously the drinks they provide as well. Um, so it's a, it's a great service from Air North. Thoroughly impressed, and I would recommend those guys. And they kind of concentrate on those northern parts of Canada where it's quite hard to get to. So what was our base of our trip? What was the idea of our trip? Our idea of the trip was to spend Christmas away from Vancouver uh, in a cabin near Whitehorse in the snow and kind of get away from the hustle and bustle of a city. And it's fair to say that we definitely did do that. Now I'm going to go over some tips and tricks here um, in terms of uh, rental cars, accommodation, uh, the time of year if you go, and also what we did day to day so you get a bit of a breakdown, uh, hopefully some costs and how to books and stuff like that as well. Firstly, I think this is a guarantee you need a car. Unless you're staying in Whitehorse in the city centre and you've somehow got a whole tour booked a whole week, you will need a car. So our accommodation was about 25 minutes south of Whitehorse and the roads are pretty, you need to concentrate. They're going to have snow and ice in them. It's about minus, in December, it's about minus 20 to minus 30 uh, throughout the week. It's sometimes dipped to minus 15, but even at that temperature, the roads are pretty icy and they obviously um, grit the roads as much as they can. And it's not too dangerous, but you just need to be careful. You need to concentrate. You can still bomb along about 80 to 100 kilometers an hour. It'll probably take a few days to get used to that. And for me, the first day driving when we arrived was a bit hairy. But other than that, I got used to it. And the conditions were a bit worse, quite far out of town, which I'll come to in a bit. Now, the rental companies, you've got kind of budget as your main one at the airport. And you can rent a car there for about, well in advance, of course, as well, about 200 and 18 to 250 dollars for our trip was five days so um, that's how much that costs being a canadian resident i was i managed to get um, the road start assistance on my insurance so that covered all rental vehicles otherwise you're probably paying out 30 to 40 dollars a day for insurance so bear that in mind also bear in mind at this time of the year that they will they will whack on a charge for sort of like winter management of the car so that's tires and some other maintenance fees and stuff like that so you're probably paying an extra 115 to 120 dollars on top of your price that you pay in advance just bear that in mind we actually asked for a ford eco sport which would be good for the snow roads and also if we're veering off a little bit they actually gave us what they told us two steps up in terms of an upgrade um, but it felt like we wanted the actual eco, eco sport that we actually tried to get the ford that we got instead was good brilliant car and we had no problems with it but at the start we're kind of a bit down about not having a proper sport um, car to get through some of those maybe snow roads that are probably not gridded that well but in in the winter if you're going to go in that time of year you definitely need to get a car with two-wheel drive four-wheel drive if you can get it but i don't think budget has any of those there's another company called driving force uh, next door to budget in the airport not sure what cars they do they may have better cars for it this one was fine. The gas in terms of price is the same as Vancouver is $1.55.56 a litre. Combination. We booked our cabin with Airbnb. We actually had one booked originally and that got cancelled. Um, I'm not quite can't quite remember where that was, but they're doing some refurbishments. But then we booked a second one. I'm so glad we booked the second one. Called Mountain Paradise Chalet. And it's just off the Alaskan Highway. So it's great to get to because 
that's the main highway through Whitehorse. And if you go anywhere north or south, really, that is the main road. And you kind of want to stick to that main road and not go veering off to the small roads because they probably won't be gritted as well. But this cabin came with two bedrooms and three beds. It can house five people, so two doubles and a single. And it had an open pan kitchen, a lounge, a dining little dining area. It had a few balconies dotted up uh, stairs and downstairs and also a games room which had darts, um, frisbee, and some board games and stuff like that. It also came with a wooden fire in terms of a, a big burner, which you chuck wood in, and it kind of fires it the, the heat throughout the cabin, apart from upstairs. So therefore, in the front room, like towards the stairs, there's an electrical heater as well. So if you have both of those going at night and the wood runs out on the fire heater, but the electrical one's still going, you'll be fine. It'll still be warm. And the owner of the Airbnb, who's called Adam, he provides, he cuts down wood for you to use for the, for the fire. Um, but if you run short, you can also use his tools and cut some wood yourself as well. So there is that option. Uh, the Airbnb was really well priced, I think, uh, in terms of, there's only three of us that went. So we paid uh, $1,500 for five nights. So $500 each, but bearing in mind, we're two people short in terms of the full capacity of the Airbnb. So if you had a group of five people, um, that's going to be pretty cheap. It's going to be worth it if you've got a group together, and that is a decent option. And it's 25 minutes out of town south on the one, and Adam, who owns it with Brandy, uh, they're a couple. They have their own huge, sort of bigger, way bigger cabin house that they live in on site with a garage and they've got all the tools they've got snowmobiles they've got everything that you need and they're on site at hand as well so if you've got any problems you can go to them they have two lovely dogs real friendly vibe adam's a funny guy he's got some funny stories and he definitely looked after us and made sure he attended to all our needs the time of year we obviously went in christmas that would be sort of around yeah like i said minus 20 to minus 30 in terms of weather if you go sort of october november you're going to be start getting into minus 10s and I guess this cold weather keeps kind of going until March. Uh, the days are really short, five hours of sunlight, maybe five and a half. So it doesn't get really light until half 10 to 11. And then it kind of sundown probably around 5, 5.30. So they, they are days. So long sleep-ins. Like I said, lots of snow. The roads are maintained every day. They do a really good job there. And you probably get fresh snow every day as well. So you can go out walking. Um, amongst the, uh, the site so adam has a huge bit of land he has the land obviously he's built the cabin and his accommodation on but also you can go up the hill um, and he's created like a bit of a sledding route and also he has loads of trees and loads of land and he can keep going up 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 but also he has a bit of land across the alaskan highway more of a lake actually it's frozen and he has some bits and pieces down there and you can go out there um, to see the northern lights which i'll come to in a bit so day one, we actually, we actually arrived a bit, not late, but like 1 p.m., 1.30 p.m. And by the time we got our car rental and picked it up um, at the airport, we're probably out of the airport vicinity about 2 to 2.30 and went straight to get some food because you're going to need to probably stock up on food uh, for three or four or five days because you can't just nip to a shop. It's going to be another 25 minutes from the cabin. So you need to get stocked up. And the shops are right close to the airport. Uh, save on foods and stuff like that. I think Walmart is there as well. This day will be whoever's driving will need to get used to the roads, just that some of the roads 
have one lane because that's the one lane that's been gritted. Obviously, they go out to two lanes if you're going left and right, and it can get a bit confusing, so it takes a while to get used to. So by the time it comes to about three o'clock, we've got our food. I think we just needed to get to the chalet and get settled in because it's not easy to find. And what I mean by that is you go down the one Alaskan highway south, and then you go to kind of like bits and pieces on the way, but you get to like a blue bridge. And after that, it's probably another 10 minutes after that. And the road that leads up to the cabin is kind of flagged down by this like real loose blue flag. It's not easy at spot. Um, so you kind of need to look out for that. But Adam will explain all those um, details for you. But yeah, it's not easy to find. But once you find it, you get used to it. But that first day is going to be a bit tricky. And you'll be turning left to be going against the traffic. So you just need to be a little bit careful with that. Once we met Adam, talked about the cabin and obviously the Airbnb, and he gave us some tools and also some extra Christmas decorations for the time of year. He will provide some tools to chop down wood for your fire. And he will obviously give you his number and you can contact him if you have any other needs. Day two. So we settled into the cabin. We then went for a walk on site and there's fresh snow. Um, Adam's very good at kind of clearing the road up to the cabin, but also some paths to go and walk. And we went up to up the little hill and got a great view of the sunrise about 11, 11.30 in the morning and chopped down a tree for our Christmas tree. And we've got some awesome pics. So definitely check out the area around the cabin. It's unreal. Like the trees, the snow, the view over the lake because you go up the hill. It's all worth doing. And I've got some photos that I've shared recently. But yeah, it's kind of like blue sky, sunrise. The colours are immense. Like when you get up in the morning about, I don't know, eight or half eight, wherever it's going to be, it's going to be dark. But when the sun starts to come over about half 10, the colours are insane. It's like the colours of the rainbow come through on sunrise. So make sure you get your camera and your hyperlapse ready. The only thing I'd say is, because it's so cold, I'm not sure if a hyperlapse can survive in terms of the camera, but we didn't really try that, but it's worth it going. And yeah, so that morning we kind of went up there and, and I got a tree and got some photos. Then we got the, the kayak car and went for a loop. So we've done a loop between uh, the cabin to car cross back to the cabin. It goes around in a circle and you go through a few towns. And unfortunately, it was snowing for us. So the views went great. But I think the views would be unbelievable if it's clear. And as you come out of the driveway for the cabin turn left, and you just keep going and you make a right and it's like a, a loop all the way around. It takes an hour and 45 minutes. Um, but the main town is Carcross, which is an interesting little town. It's like a town from Wild Wild West. Old buildings, uh, colourful buildings. There's no one there. They see the old person walking about. Nothing's open apart from the post office. Um, but it's kind of set on this awesome location of mountains, lakes and rivers. So that's definitely worth doing if you've got a bit of time. But the weather got worse for us. So we done a loop and kind of got back a little bit quicker than we wanted to really because it was kind of getting worse and worse throughout the day. Yeah, so we kind of retreated back to the cabin and played games all night, which would have been Christmas Eve. Now, day three was Christmas Day, a very, very cold walk. We obviously done the, the Christmas admin in the morning, presents, phone calls, had a great breakfast. Then we decided to take a walk down to, like I said before, Adam has a frozen lake. Uh, down on this frozen lake, he has uh, these little buildings where they hold like little festivals and little gigs and stuff like this. And you can walk right out to the middle of the lake to this little outhouse. Um, it's a great walk. 
But on this day at Christmas, it was minus 30. And I think it felt like minus 35 or 36. So we lasted probably about an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And my nose hair, my eyebrows, my beard, it was all frozen over. And it's actually quite um, hard to breathe and kind of keep warm, um, even though I had like unbelievable amount of layers on. So bear that in mind. We went for a walk and there's lots of snow and you get loads of cool pictures. And because it's so vast, you can get great angles and stuff like that. So make sure you kind of had the right clothing in the Yukon because you can't get away with it. You can't wing this. Um, <laughs> unlike my podcast, you have to have Merino wool stuff. I imagine t-shirts, leggings and jumpers, but also ski jackets um, and as many layers as possible. Lots of pairs of socks, all stuff like that, because you're going to get cold otherwise and you need to look after yourself. So I, that's one tip I would have for the Yukon. It's actually a workout on the snow because it's fresh snow and it's, and it's soft. Up and down, like trying to just get a bit of traction when walking is quite difficult. Worth bearing in mind as well. But Christmas Day, after we got back from that, we warmed up with the, with the burner, with, with some chopped wood and had a nice relaxing evening in the cabin. Boxing Day. Now, this is our day. Day four, Boxing Day was dog sledding, uh, which was about an hour and... 20 minutes out from where we were. So we had a late breakfast and we got some fuel and we went on the, on the one on Alaskan highway and it probably took around, yeah, probably an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, but the weather was okay, but it had been fresh snow. So we kind of had to take it easy. Now the road from the cabin to Whitehorse is pretty decent outside of Whitehorse is okay. But when we got towards the last 20 minutes to where this place was, it was difficult. It wasn't really defined. The road was kind of, I couldn't see the tire tracks or the tire separation on the road and it kind of swerved a few times and it's quite stressful and quite tiring actually as well. Anyway, we made it to the place. Um, it's about minus 20 and we went to go and do some dog sledding with Beyond Expeditions. These guys have a little patch of land where they kind of build out some, I guess, trails for the dogs and you jump on a sled and you have a sled each uh, with your own little dogs and depending on your weight and size, it could be between three and six dogs each. And you go for about two hours for half a day uh, around these trails. But you have to kind of be patient with it. I was quite struggling at the start in terms of I jumped on. I just could not get used to letting the dogs kind of take the sled and sort of guide me through the corners. I was trying, to, I was trying too much. I was trying to lean left and right and, and kind of break and not get enough speed. And one, I've done the one thing you're not supposed to do. I jumped off because I thought I was going to fall over. That was pretty bad. So the girl behind me caught up with the dogs and stopped them. Uh, the dogs will go. Uh, if you don't put the brake on, they will go. They're off. So you need to be pretty mindful of that. But yeah, we kind of done half a day uh, doing that. And once you get over the first kind of like 20 minutes and you kind of get used to the dogs kind of how they work and they tire a little bit more, um, it's actually a bit easier. And because we had fresh snow, it was actually a bit slower than usual. I think if you don't have any snow for a few days, they can probably get a bit of a speed on and then towards the end I was flying around corners and kind of pushing it a little bit but because you're in a, in a queue behind some people you can't go too fast because you're not you're not supposed to let the dogs um, catch up with the person in front of you kind of stopped for some photos it was snowing as well we didn't go too fast but at the end I thoroughly enjoyed it and it's worth doing so beyond expeditions it's definitely worth checking out they're a French Canadian couple who have flew to Yukon to set up this business and they're they're doing great and it has all the equipment that you need in terms of clothing. So 
don't feel like you have to go with something. He'll provide boots, trousers, gloves, hats, coats, the whole lot. So it's definitely worth doing. The drive back was approaching darkness of about one hour. So I was kind of a bit wary of that. Um, so we had to leave pretty sharpish. But if you were a bit close, let's say you're based in Whitehorse and you had a bit of time, you can sit and have a cup of tea and biscuits with Pierre, who, who runs the um, Beyond Expeditions. But Pierre teaches you all the stuff, the commands and how to do the sled. And it just takes a while to get used to when you're actually doing it. After an hour, that's pretty good. And then we had a decent time. And then we kind of lasted about an hour and a half, probably an hour and three quarters because of, I guess it approached four o'clock in the end. We got there for one and we had to get going by four because of the darkness. Really. I didn't want to drive in the dark on those roads. And it's quite snowy on the way back. So a bit stressful, got there in the end and made it safely back to the cabin. Kind of had a nice cozy evening in because it was very cold that day as well. Day five would have been sort of a boring day in terms of, content here apart from one thing so heavy snow meant our car was actually snowed in i didn't really feel like going out that much um emma and sarah went out for a walk who was with me but i kind of stayed in didn't do too much we were supposed to go into town to have brunch but nothing was really open and the roads were actually not cleared as much that day so we kind of advised from the radio to take care so they went for a few walks i stayed in and there's nothing really to say about that day until the evening i went to bed about half ten as the rest of the crew did, Emma gets a text about midnight saying, ah, you should wake up. The Northern Lights are about. Then apparently he knocks on our door. I didn't hear this. And then Emma or Sarah, or they both kind of realised what was going on. And Emma woke me up. And Adam said, I'll meet us outside uh, by the shed and we'll go and see Northern Lights. So we kind of trudged out of bed, uh, got some warm clothing on, went outside about half midnight outside the shed and he wasn't there. But he'd, had, he'd been out to his lake and back again. And we went to this massive shed and he's a massive hoarder of things, but he re- regenerates them. So things that don't work or are not needed anymore, he takes them and polishes them up and uses them again. So he's got all these like machines and stairs and bits of material in this huge shed that he built. Um, so it's a cool place. But him and Brandy are in there. It's very warm. We met the dogs. He offered me a beer, but I was half asleep at, mid- at half midnight. So I didn't fancy that. And then he talked about the Northern Lights and he said, yeah, that they're about tonight, so we can definitely go and see them. Uh, but James, you're driving the snowmobile. I'm like, oh, am I? He's like, yeah, yeah. Have you driven one before? I was like, no. He's like, I'll teach you. Adam's a bit of an eccentric character. He uh, has a great story. He's quite bubbly, a bit mental, but in a good way. So then about after 20 minutes of chatting, uh, we, just, we decided to go and he, he decided to teach all of us actually, but obviously me to, to kind of ride the snowmobile because he was taking Sarah on his, I mean, Emma on one. And then I was trying to follow instructions and I kind of didn't really hear much of what he said or take it in because I was too tired and half asleep. But he offered me a beer, which I've declined because I can't be driving that half boozed up, half asleep. So I kind of got some instructions and we're off. And it took me five or 10 minutes to really get used to it. Um, so yeah, jumped on a snowmobile which I posted on Instagram and we headed down to the lake. And once you get down into the lake, past the trees and actually onto the lake, he parked us up and said, I'll let you yeah, park them here. And the dogs ran with us as well. And we turned back and it was all there. Northern lights were there to like to see. It was unbelievable. The scene is, it's just incredible. The camera don't, doesn't really do it justice really, but from left to right, it was across 
like from all we could see, like 180 degrees is all there in green. And I tried to get some photos and tried to enjoy the experience. They were that good that we stayed there for nearly two hours in minus 17, 18 degrees, kind of chatting. Adam has some stories about bears and stuff like that and what he did for a living and all this sort of stuff. And we kind of just marveled at this spectacular sight. And it's pretty lucky because the last four or five days, we had no chance to see him cloud cover. They weren't really about. So I was really glad in the end that he woke us up and got us out there because I'd regret it if I didn't go and see them. I'm notorious for not really getting up in the middle of the night. So um, I was pretty, pretty happy with that, pretty stoked and got so many photos and tried to enjoy it as much as possible. We only went to bed in the end because it was about three in the morning, about half two, three a.m. And we had to go to bed really because we're flying the next day. Um, otherwise, we could have stayed there all night really. It was pretty incredible. So we drove our snowmobiles up back to the cabin and yeah, I gave a bit of more of a confidence booster in terms of increasing the speed and I felt right with them in the end. They're pretty cool. So to summarise, the last day was just flying back, really. We, we actually went to Whitehorse because we hadn't actually checked out the town yet. And we had some brunch or lunch at Burnt Toast Cafe, which is an awesome cafe to go to. And then went for a coffee um, at Baked Cafe and a cake, which were awesome as well. And we kind of walked a little bit around town before we dropped the car off at the airport. Whitehorse is, is kind of a place I wish I had a little bit more time in. So if you can spend an extra half a day there. It's a cool little town. You'll find some stuff in there that's that's worth looking at. To summarise, we had a great Airbnb, uh, which had a great cabin. Um, a games in there, you were not bored. A great kitchen, had everything you need. They even had food in there that you didn't expect to have. Comfortable space for, I think, three people, four would be fine. Five, I think, is okay as well. And off the Alaskan Highway, which is easy to get to, an unbelievable amount of land to go and explore for walks or if you jump on his snowmobiles. Um, I don't know if Adam kind of gives them to any day of the week, but for the Northern Lights, he let, let us kind of ride on them to go and check it out. And we saw the Northern Lights. And we saw um, some little towns that not Whitehorse. We saw Whitehorse, done dog sledding. We kind of had the perfect trip. The only thing I wish I kind of had was like a hyperlapse of the sunrise because the colours that turn in today is unbelievable. But I did take some photos, so that's kind of, uh, not too bad in the end. So yeah, summarise, it's definitely worth going in the winter. Don't be put off by the cold. If you do go in the winter, get some proper clothing, spend a bit of money and make sure you have some good shoes to go and trudge in the snow with because if you have like hiking shoes, the snow's going to get in your feet and it's cold. So you don't want that to happen. But if you go prepared, you'll have an awesome time. And I don't think I've missed any key information out. So if you've got any more questions, please fire away. Um, either by Instagram or through my website or email jameshammondtravel at gmail.com. And let me know if you want to hear about anything else. In terms of Northern Lights, I just want to say that there are tours that go from Whitehorse. This would be recommended if you don't have a car, because I'm not sure how you can go see them. We were lucky at this Airbnb that Adam on site was kind of up seeing them anyway. So he let us know when we got up and he let us borrow his equipment to go to the frozen lake and check them out. But I'm not sure what other accommodations we'll have in terms of Airbnb. So that's very lucky. I'm not sure if even if Adam does this all the time or we just got lucky, but Mountain Paradise Chalet on Airbnb connect with someone called Sue, who's Adam's mum. She's great, quite funny as well. Easy to get on with, easy to book and loads of questions you can ask them and they, they'll answer. So I definitely recommend the Airbnb and Whitehorse is a great place to go in the Yukon. And to summarise and to finally say is, 
if it's the summer, I'd love to go because I love to drive those roads, kind of blue skies, warm, mild temperature, 20 degrees, let's say that, and just check out the whole area. It'd be unbelievable, the sights. And they both would have their unique experience. So it's still on the list for me to go when it's summer, but I'm glad I take it off in the winter and I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, it's just an unbelievable trip. So get out there. Don't wait. Get to Yukon. Get to Whitehorse. Tick some things off. Go and enjoy the experience. You won't regret it. Thanks for listening. I will finish it there. Uh, I don't have anything else that I've missed, I don't think. Please remember to pop onto podchaser.com and rate my podcast in terms of episodes or just the whole podcast itself uh, i would love a five-star rating and a little review that really goes a long way to helping my podcast thanks for listening take care bye thank you for listening to my winging it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at james hammond travel or winging it travel podcast you can search for both i release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels You can also find this podcast episode on YouTube. Please search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you can follow and subscribe today. It'll either be the video of the podcast or there'll be some still pictures to accompany the audio. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels And there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe. Stay humble. Keep listening. Keep traveling. And I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.